0: Attention, golfers, if you're looking to upgrade your game with a set of high-quality clubs that are blazing fast beyond forgiving and beautifully made, check out the all-new PXG Gen 6 golf clubs. Not only are they easy to hit, they deliver outstanding distance and incredible accuracy, lowering your scores and bringing you more fun on the golf course. What more could you want? Schedule your Gen 6 fitting today at pxg.com or by calling 844-PLAY-PXG. And we're back, Stripe Show Podcast on a Wednesday. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. We are in the studio here today. Today's Stripe Show Podcast brought to you by my beautiful About Golf Simulator. If you are looking to put a simulator in your house, your garage, your business, wherever, highly recommend About Golf. Love this thing. It is the centerpiece of my studio here that I've built in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. It's about 82 degrees right now. It's a beautiful day here. It's a beautiful day just north of here at Augusta, Georgia. It's gonna change though. Thursday, gonna be fine. Nice weather. Friday, the rain's gonna start moving in. And then on Saturday, it's gonna get cold. It's gonna get cold. It's gonna get windy. It's gonna be rainy. That's the trifecta, folks. Cold, wind, and rain. Okay, when all three of those are happening, you know what we do here in the South? We wait for another day. Now, growing up in the Northwest, cold, rain, I played my entire life as a young child with a runny nose and a sweatshirt on all the time. Now, we didn't have a lot of wind up there. You come down here, you get the trifecta going, you just wait another day. Now, they can't wait another day at Augusta. So they're going to be playing on Saturday, we'll warm up a little bit on Sunday, but still some rain and wind in the forecast. So keep that in mind as you're picking your winners. I, I I really like where Rory's at. I just worry a little bit in some of these weather conditions. He's not the best wind player. He's not the best when it comes to when the conditions get bad, um, but it's different, right? He's going for that, that grand slam right now. The Masters, we know. Uh, he's done well there in the past. He was second there last year. He just hasn't won it to complete that grand slam. We're going to be looking at Rory Swing here in a little bit. Uh, Brandel Chambly had some interesting things to say on the Golf Channel yesterday about Rory in transition. I want to put some clarity on that and demonstrate what he was talking about there. I thought it was a very um, interesting take and one that certainly makes some sense as far as maybe Rory struggling with some of these hanging lies and why the ball would want to go a little bit more to the left. We'll get to that. We're also going to be talking about Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods is playing this week. His swing, I made a post yesterday about his swing back in 1997, what it looked like relative to today. We're going to go through that progression and kind of some things Um, that Tiger has changed throughout his career, which is a lot. I mean, it's just amazing um, what has changed there. And then Scotty Shuffler, um, got some video of Scotty from when he was 16 years of age playing the U.S. junior world that I'll show you versus to what his swing looks like today. And there are some differences there as well. So we're gonna have some fun uh, from an instruction standpoint, going through some of those things. Appreciate you being here. Um, On a Wednesday, the eve, of the Masters, which starts tomorrow. No podcast tomorrow. Next week, we'll be back to interviewing PGA Tour, LPGA Tour players. Froggy's back. Uh, We were actually going to bring Scott Stallings on today, uh, but he couldn't make it work uh, up there at Augusta. We understand he's trying to win a green jacket. We'll fire that back up next week. Let's have some fun today, talk about some instruction. Appreciate you being here. Uh, Stripe Show podcast. Thank you to PXG. One of my proud sponsors as well. By the way, the Gen 6 driver is fantastic. The best driver they have made. Right before we came on, there was an interview happening on Golf Channel. And the interview was with Victor Hovland, who I've talked a lot about over the last year, Victor Hovland. Not just his swing, but in particularly the short game adjustments that he has made. It was really interesting to listen to him talk about how I I think he he kind of devalued some of the changes that he's made to the clubface angle when it comes to the short game. Victor, of course, one of the best ball strikers in the world. He can absolutely dominate you with the driver off the tee. His iron play is fantastic. When you look at his swing, it's very much, I think, an example of what you see in a lot of modern Golf swings today, a lot of the younger guys out there takes it back. For those listening, I'll I'll really articulate what I'm demonstrating here. Uh, For those on video, you can see it. In my simulator here, Victor, when he takes it halfway back, that club face would look like this. That club face is towed down. The angle of the face running more parallel to the spine halfway back. When he hinges it, that left wrist would take on flexion bit of a bowed feel at the top. And and with that, club face more shut, left wrist more bowed, he would bring that down and really rotate. Victor is a guy that can pitch the shaft back in transition and he can rotate with the best of them, lean the shaft forward and rip this thing back around the corner to the left. You see that a lot. A flex lead wrist offers a lot uh, in the world of technique can shut the face. It can pitch the shaft back more. And generally, um, I, I think that can be a good thing for a lot of you at home. I don't want to get too far down that path, but I think for Victor, the and where I'm going with this is that with this position halfway back in the full swing and this left wrist more flexed and this shaft lean more forward, he took a little too much of that into a short game. And when you get that into your short game, the leading edge can really get on the ground and it can get sticky. The ball speed coming off can be fast. It's hard to control that. You limit yourself in the types of shots that you can hit. It's hard to hit that medium trajectory shot with spin and even that higher shot because of that shaft lean and the D-loft in the face. The ball speed, very, very fast. One of my favorite statements came from Jeff Smith, who worked with Victor for, for a while, about three years. They got to number three in the world. And that statement is, is, with the driver, we're trying to increase the ball speed. And then when we get around the green, we're trying to slow the ball speed down. And I think that applies to Victor and a lot of you at home. One of the changes that they made was getting the club face to rotate a bit more toe up. And so you would see the face halfway back, a bit more toe up. And with that face a bit more open, now the shaft could come down and he would have to start letting out that release a little bit. That left wrist would have to soften more, extend more through the impact zone. The left elbow would fold. And so now that bounce would get on the ground a bit um, and, 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 and really provide some relief, right? That leading edge wasn't so sticky. There's a bit more relief there Now we can hit that medium to higher trajectory shot with some spin. Along those lines, one of the things that starts to happen is is you start to, to take your spine and you want to get your spine to be a little bit more on top of it or cover it, which basically means less side bend to the right. You look at Victor in the swing and all of these great players, they have a little side bend at impact. Well, you've got more speed, you got shaft lean, you're rotating through and that side bend helps, right? It helps you kind of get behind it, turn behind it, stay behind it, all those things that apply to the full swing. When you get in the short game, you don't have all that speed, right? It's a different type of shot, finesse shot, slow the ball speed down. And so you want to have a little softer left wrist, left elbow, not as much shaft lean, which means you got to get a little bit more on top of it to control the bottom of of that arc, right? So less side bend to the right. And that really, it really feels like that's where he's at in his progression right now. But I just found it interesting that he, I thought, kind of devalued the club face. Because to me, that club face and what's happening with that face and what that provides at the bottom is is part of the equation. Whether you're opening it at a dress or you're getting a bit more rotation going back, whatever the case may be. I think that's a a critical part of it. And I hope now he can get a little bit more on top of it and trust staying on top of it, turning through, covering it, less side bend. And I think as he does that and he gets comfortable with the slower ball speed and the trajectories and the spins and the touch and the nuance of that, his short game will elevate. That's number one. Number two, this week, I made a, a post yesterday about Tiger Woods and his swing, and it's great to see Tiger there. Uh, Tiger looks good. Um, he looks healthy. He looks like he can hit all the shots. It's just going to be about walking, right? Which is unfortunate because if if he didn't have to walk the course, I mean, Tiger Woods could probably win this thing. Uh, it seems like a long shot for him to go out and put four rounds together with that leg and win, but I'm putting nothing past Tiger Woods, especially at Augusta National. But let's have some fun with his swing over the years. Check this out. I put this video up. The top sequence is Tiger back in 1997 when he won Augusta for the first time. The bottom sequence is is closer to when he won it again back in 2019. This is, I think, 2021 though with his swing, but it's, it's pretty similar to what it looked like uh, when he won it for the fifth time. And a young Tiger, right? When you look at it at the top, Tiger was a little more of a shut face player. Um, He had this big wide turn and he would get that face kind of looking a little bit more up to the sky. What was also interesting is he would get that shaft a bit more vertical, right? And if you look at that middle picture, you see the shaft vertical straight up and down when his hands got up to the right shoulder. Now from there, he would pitch it back in transition and he would just rotate like a champ. I mean, just open up and when he would hit it, I mean, his shoulders, my goodness, are probably 30 degrees open, 40 degrees open. So the face was a little shut, vertical at the shaft, pitch it back, and then really rotate open. I'm going to take that picture off just for a second. And you'll see here as I demonstrate this, okay, so I'm going to kind of get up here so you can see the face looking, right, towards the camera, cold face looking towards the camera with the shaft pretty vertical, right here, vertical. Okay. And then from there, it was pitched back and then just, pow, open up right foot would spring up to the toe and he would just get right there and open hips shoulders and rip it to the left as he got older and we put this back up and you look at the bottom sequence setup, really identical uh he would rotate the face a little bit more or rotate the shaft rather excuse me and so when his hands would get up to that right shoulder you can see now the shaft is is pitched back a little bit more already Let's call that a little bit more on plane. And then from there, it would come right back down that or maybe just a little underneath it, and he would rotate and and bring it to the other side. Now you can clearly see as he's gotten older, he's not able to open up as much. His shoulder's a little bit more square. And so there's probably a little more arms and hands in that relative to what you would see up top. But make no mistake, I mean, the shaft's forward, he's turning, this is a beautiful swing uh, here on the bottom. So I thought that was interesting there, the young tiger up top, how vertical the shaft was. And then as tiger got older, how the shaft really started to rotate more. And I think that progression and what you see there really young tiger, of course, worked with Butch Harmon. And then, and then when he left Butch and he went to Hank Haney and Hank had to kind of work the swing more around that bum lead knee, right? That lead knee left knee wasn't, um, the same as it was, uh, when he was younger, he had surgery on it. And so Tiger, of course, when he was young, he, he really, as he brought that down would just brace that up and, and just really, you know, push up and brace up that left leg, that left knee really snapping in line. And so they wanted to kind of relieve that a little bit. And, and what they did is they just started to rotate that shaft. And so when his hands got up to shoulder height, you'd see the shaft more here versus here. Okay. So rotating the shaft club would fall back down and then it would rotate more back up the other side. And I think through the rotation of the shaft, the face was a little bit more opened up as well. Now I know Hank pretty well. We've talked about this and Hank, one of the things that he did, and I give Hank a lot of credit for this because this is not You know, this is not an easy thing to do when you have the best player in the world and you're trying to build a swing around, you know, keeping that that left knee perhaps more stable, taking some pressure off of it, not feeling the need to have to brace it up to to counter that face being so shut, okay? So, you know, Hank took that grip and ran it, and I'm going to try to get in here to the camera. He ran it kind of more diagonal up underneath that left palm, like that. So it was less, say, down in the fingers, less down in here, where that left hand could get on top, more diagonal. We can see that. And then then he would grip it. So it feels like a weaker left hand diagonal in through the left hand. And with that weaker left hand running diagonal and some rotation in the shaft, that face wouldn't be shut the face in theory opened up more with the shaft pitched back more so when it comes down it's going to require now a little more forearm rotation to the other side and knowing that that you're not going to feel the need to have to open up you're still going to have some rotation but you're going to have to kind of feel this forearm rotation back up the other side so tiger's swing in essence got the shaft a bit more rotated, the face a bit more open. And then it would come back down and he would have to rotate it back up the other side. And of course he went on and won a bunch doing that. And then he came back and he and he, and he kind of went back, he, he went to Sean Foley and Foley changed the grip back to stronger. And as he went back to stronger, you started to see Tiger, I think, kind of changes DNA just a little bit from the standpoint that with Butch and Hank, you saw width, right? You saw this body turning and loading kind of into the right side. I love the young tiger swing where you see that pelvis moving into the right and turning over here. And as he went to Sean, he, he, of course, Tiger's body at this point now was even more broken down. And so Sean took him to the stronger grip, And you started to see his hand path, instead of going out, going a little bit more in, the face now a little bit more down, not as rotated. But you saw Tiger start to stay a little bit more centered too. I think Tiger's pivot became more like this centered and with a little less emphasis on width and moving off the ball, right? Letting things kind of drift to the right and then back to the left and and with Tiger, hand path in, club face down, a stronger position, more centered. He could come down, and of course, he made it work. He got it back to number one in the world. I think the downside to that for Tiger was his driver. His attack angle got pretty steep. And so he struggled with his driver. He got hurt again. He came back, went to Chris Como. Chris Como probably, I think, took all of this into consideration. And I've talked to Chris about this. And he gave Tiger the advice to layer back into – you know, some of the things that he used to do. And, of course, that would be conducive to what his body was capable of doing at that point in time. And what you saw Tiger get back to was a little bit more width. You saw Tiger get back to moving a little bit more freely into his trail side. And I think with that, and more importantly, you saw Tiger once again starting to stay tall and up here to the top of the swing. One of the things that happened – Before that with with Sean, with the driver, is you saw Tiger, as his hand pass started going in and he started staying more centered, and I think even some would say hanging a little left, you started to see his head drop. His head started to drop a little bit to the top of the swing. Not good. When you start dropping a little to the top, man, you've got work to do coming down. And he would really back up and he would hit just flares out to the right, steep attack angle, not conducive with the driver. He could make it work with the iron, a lot of shaft lean. He was hitting it miles, um, but not conducive with the driver. And I think as Chris plugged into Tiger and he got him wider and he got him free-flowing a little more to the right side, you really saw Tiger stay tall. He started staying tall. He, he got rid of the dip, and then from there, Tiger could go get it. And, and start to, to play some good golf again. I think that's kind of the version we see of Tiger now today with the exception of his ability of his inability to really push off of that right foot due to the wreck. But I do think we see Tiger pretty neutral with the grip, good width, good rotation, nice and tall. You know, he can come down, have adequate rotation with the body release back around the other side, and he can hit all of the shots. He just can't be probably as dynamic as he would like to be pushing off of that trail foot. So that's kind of the the cliff notes, if you will, of Tiger's journey. And I found it interesting when you look at his swing there at the top and to the bottom, that that's a pretty dramatic difference, right? Tiger really changed his swing a bunch over the years and just played at such an extremely high level, I'm almost convinced that you could have probably taught him to play left-handed and he would have got to number one in the world. All right, let's go to Scotty. Here's Scotty Scheffler's swing. This is when he was 16, U.S. juniors. And when you look at this swing, of course, you can see that right foot um, given way. I've talked to to Randy Smith about this. Randy is going to be coming back on the podcast here in the next couple weeks. Um, that's something that he just let go, which is which is brilliant, right? Use great player, free flowing, that right foot, 16 years of age. Now, the one thing you'll see here with Scotty when he was younger is you know, he he definitely was flatter with his left arm. That's a little bit of kind of Rory-esque, which I'll bring up here in a second. His left arm was more around him. I think he had a little more toe hang. The toe was pointing down. I think the face perhaps a bit more open, the left arm a bit more around him. Now watch, I'm gonna bring this This in Scotty. You're gonna see a left arm that's more upright and a club face that's a bit more closed. Now it's hard because I know that's going a little bit faster, but I, I, I made a post on this on Twitter and I put the two together. And I just thought it was interesting over the years that Scotty's left arm got more upright and I do think the club face, just a shade more close. Scotty is not a close face player, though. Um, he is a player that will get a little bit more toe hang um, at the top. And you think about that toe hang, right? you start thinking about that club going up and that toe hanging. Let's see if I can get it in here. Where are we at? There we are. That toe kind of hanging like that down toe down at the top versus the club face turned up to the sky. That toe hang can be tricky for those listening at home, okay? Because when you have some toe hang, you better be very good coming down and not early releasing it, being able to bring it down with adequate shaft lean and rotation through the strike. Now, the reality is is that with toe hang and players that have the face a bit more open, they can, they can throw it up in the air, right? You go back to what I was talking about with Victor Hovland. Okay, they, you know, shut, flex lead wrist, club face shut, a lot of shaft lean, all right, can thump it with ball striking, struggles with the medium to high trajectory around the green. Scotty Shuffler, kind of the opposite, right? More toe hang at the top, a little bit open, not shut, what can he do? He can bring it down, still with some shaft lean, just not as much, and he can really sling it up in the air. What is Scotty Scheffler good at around the green? All of it, but in particular, that medium trajectory shot. The guy's got great hands. I mean, he's just got phenomenal hands. And usually, when you see players who get some toe hang at the top, or they have some extension in the lead wrist at the top, they get a little extension and not flat, and they carry that extension down a little bit. Those are guys that have, and women, that have really good hands. Phil Mickelson comes to mind. Jeff Ogilvy was like that. Mark Leishman is like that. So these guys have good hands to be able to get it back on the golf ball and usually then are the ones that are better at letting that club head pass and hitting the shots around the green as well. So I just thought it was interesting with, with Scotty that as he's gotten older, he's gotten that left arm more upright, right? It's still around him. He's still, it's still working around him, but it's definitely higher and above his shoulders. And I like that. I think that's a really good quality is to have some depth, but also to have some height. And I think that bodes very, very well for him in particularly here at Augusta, which, tr- which now moves me along into my next swing, which is Rory McElroy. And McIlroy is a swing that is more around him, right? McElroy is not a player who is going to ever be labeled as someone who has an upright swing. Um, he is a player who gets his left arm much more around him, right? That's what Scotty looked like when he was younger. That's what Rory looked like when he was younger. He's always had his lead arm very, very deep around him, behind him. Scotty, uh, Tiger, you know, left arm, more upright. JT, left arm, more upright. Now look, <laughs> Rory McIlroy is one of the best players of all time, right? You can, you can have the left arm around you and play great golf. But I bring this up because it, it was interesting, um, the, the conversation that was happening on Golf Channel last night. Randall Chambly, I thought, brought up some interesting points in why perhaps Rory struggles a little bit Um, at Augusta and and hasn't captured one of these green jackets. Now, he's been close. He was second last year. We know he gave away the big lead years ago. I mean, he's played Augusta well. And by no stretch of the imagination would you ever say you can't play Augusta well or win it with a a late arm that's working very much around you. But I do think there are uh, some benefits. I agree with Brandon on the standpoint of the lead arm also having some height and not being so wrapped around you. You have to have enough depth for sure, but you also got to have some height. And, and I think that up, more upright lead arm um, is conducive. And I think in particularly at Augusta with, um, with the shot shapes that it requires for a right-handed player in some of these uneven lies um, that they're talking about. One of the thing Rory does from here, okay. And this is, I think, interesting for a lot of you out there, and I'm going to go ahead and perhaps label you, if you're listening to this or watching this, as a maybe a low to middle single-digit handicap, someone who can hit the ball um, out to the right with a draw, someone who misses with blocks, someone who will miss with hooks. That's what Rory will do, miss with blocks, he'll miss with hooks. And what that is, is when you have this depth to the top and, and you get the lead arm and the hand path to work down and not out enough, then you can, right there, and it's tough for me to slow because that, that video is going pretty fast. So let me demonstrate this here for a second. We'll bring that up here, so watch this. Let's see if I can get enough depth here, like where do we get that lead arm around lead wrist, maybe a little extended. And then and then from here, that hand path would just go down. And when that hand path goes straight down, watch the shaft. The shaft can get a little, little steep in transition. It can point inside the ball line. And then from there, what that can lead to as the club comes down is a little bit of a late kick out and a closing effect to the face. Not always, not always, but that's what it can promote from time to time. The body can't get open enough and we can get a little bit of this late kick out handle might get a little high and then the face can close and you can get that shot that goes to the left which rory does from time to time so what is the opposite of that right here's the depth what is the opposite of the hands working straight down is when the hands work down the hand path also works out Right? And you can see when I do that, I'm not, I'm not trying to manipulate this. The hand path starts to work out a little bit. Now the shaft starts to tip back a little bit more. And when you do that, then from there, I think you can really rotate and let that handle come in a bit lower. Now, I don't know exactly what Rory works on, but I do know that he tries to hit more cuts, right? You'll see him set up when he struggles he, you'll, with, with something out in front of him here. And he'll set up. With, he'll see him work the club out here. I don't know if he tries to get open sooner. If he tries to feel any of this versus this, I don't know that. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised, right? Because of what that would offer him in letting the shaft ride a little more this way and then really freeing up the idea that i can open up and feel like i'm more on top of it covering it this way versus versus when i'm here i sense that then my pivot wants to not open as much and that's when i'll get some of that club face override and it can go off to the left you can also block it to the right because when that handle gets a bit higher the you know like you know you kind of hang on right now you overcorrect it so it's just kind of an I thought it was a very interesting topic yesterday with Brandel with Rory. I've talked about Rory's swing before. There's a lot to like about it. obviously, it's a beautiful golf swing. It's got great speed. He's an absolute hall of famer. But when you look at it and you break it down a little bit and you, what is he working on, it'd be very interesting to know if, if it was if it was maybe a little less of that and a little more of that, right? and getting that working out there. Anyway, a few thoughts on that. Rory McIlroy, I hope he gets it done, a grand slam. How good would that be uh, to win the Masters and finally complete that? But I had my picks on Tuesday. I'll talk about them here real quick. I I, I love Spieth this week. Um, I think the weather coming in, the added distance off the tee, he loves this place. I think he's, he's really working into form. Great short game. Let's dirty it up. Let's get the wind blowing. Let's be instinctive. That's Jordan Spieth for me. I don't know how you can pick against Scotty Shuffler. I know he's the favorite um, of the big three right now. Scotty, Rom, and and Rory. I, I want to pick Rory here, but the weather concerns me. So if I had to take one of those top three, I'd take Scotty. Um. I'm going with Brooks Kepka as well. I got him at 45 to one. I think Brooks Kepka comes in. Uh, I think he's hitting his driver as good as he had, real quick with Brooks. And I mean, he he drove the ball beautifully at uh, L I V Orlando. And one of the things that happens with Brooks, stay right there. I'm gonna get my driver. One of the things that happens with, with Brooks, and I was I was um, texting with Claude Harmon. On Monday morning and I, I thought I thought Brooks hit the. I honestly thought Brooks hit the ball in particularly his driver is good as he hit it back in 2018 to 19 I mean it was that automatic Brooks has a tendency when he struggles to aim too far to the right and when you aim too far to the right the ball position gets back and then from there that club head, he was starting to get it too far inside. And that combination, Brooks can't get the path back around to the left. He just can't, he can't get the path to the left enough. And so with Brooks, it probably feels like he's aiming more left, or he, 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 I'm, I'm sure he feels like he's aiming left, but he probably feels open. He probably feels five to 10 yards open, which I think in and it itself, if you're working on alignment and you know you're closed, and then you're tr- and you get in, and you're like, okay, I'm going to aim more left. And you look out there, you're like, oh, wow, I feel like I'm aiming whatever that number is 10, 15 yards. Well, you got to validate that, right? Is do I need to feel 10 to be square? Do I need to feel five to be square? What is it that I need to feel to be square? And with Brooks, I don't know what that number was, but I do know he feels more open. I do know he feels the ball position more forward. And I do know, oh, dare I say, he feels the club head more out in front of him. Okay, Club head more out in front of him. Now he can get the path to the left. Now he can get the path to the left. And that's like a teacher's dream when you just have to tweak the setup and then you just tweak that first initial backswing and it all fits into place. And I think for Brooks, it does. Because I think his club pretty much comes back down pretty much the way it went back up. And so get square, get the ball in the right spot, get it started right. Instinctive golf, he can hit that power fade. So a few things on Brooks Kepka as well, which is my third pick. Thank you for being here. This was fun. This was fun. Uh, talking a little Victor Hovland short game, Tigers progression over the years, Scotty Scheffler, defending champion, Rory McIlroy, our man, can he get it done? And Brooks Kepka coming in. Watch out, folks, because I think Brooks, I think Brooks, his putting is good too. I wouldn't be surprised to see his fifth major championship of the year. Everybody, thank you for being here. Stripe Show podcast, we are um, doing doing well. We appreciate you listening on audio. We appreciate you watching on video. Tell your friends. Go leave us a comment. That really helps in a rating, if you don't mind. We'll be back next week with a full lineup recap in the Masters, looking ahead to an elevated event. Remember, next week, they'll be up at Hilton Head. Elevated event on Tuesday, Best Bets. We'll bring our tour player um, interviews back on Wednesday with instruction on Thursday. I'm Travis Fulton. Enjoy the Masters.